Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. What is the most fundamental tool translators have? Yes, our language. And we must be the grammar and spelling police, not only when we're working on a project, but also when we're communicating with clients or interacting with peers online. We must use our language as well at all times. With that in mind, one tool I've been using for a while now, and I do use it constantly, is Grammarly. I've activated it on my email so I don't make any mistakes when sending a message to a client. I also have it available to me in Google Drive so I can use it when reviewing my students' translations into English or when I'm writing my own articles and brainstorming podcast episodes. And because I do translate into English very often, the premium version helps me keep my last draft sharp and ready for delivery. If you'd like to try out the world's best automated proofreader, visit bit.ly slash tc dash grammar. It's easy to remember. TC stands for Translation Confessional, followed by Grammar. Once again, you can visit Grammarly at bit.ly slash tc dash g-r-a-m-m-a-r. Keep your English sharp. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Living in a Bilingual Household To wrap up Season 1 of Translation Confessional, I'm interviewing my husband about living in a bilingual home and being the other half of a binational couple. Because we do get into some deep conversations sometimes, despite being married for almost 19 years, it seems we still have a lot to talk about. I had to break up this long interview, and part two will be coming out in five days. And yes, as a throwback to episode nine, words I've learned from my husband, we ended up talking about food again. What you're about to hear is an edited version for audio only. I'll leave a link to the actual full video interview in this episode's description. I hope you enjoy our conversation and get an idea of what it's like being tied to two different countries and nationalities. Before we continue, I wanted to tell you about Better World Books. It's a great website to search for new and used books in several categories. You can find textbooks about translation, interpretation, and languages, as well as translated and original fiction and nonfiction. Some deals qualify for free shipping, which can really come in handy when you're on a budget. If you'd like to check out Better World Books, go to this webpage, bit.ly slash tc dash bwb. 
It's easy to remember. TC for Translation Confessional and BWB for Better World Books. Once again, the webpage is bit.ly slash tc dash bwb. Hope you like it. Hi, uh, my name is Vince Lombardino. I'm the husband of Hafa. <laughs> 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 Raffaella. Yeah. After 20 years, yeah, at least uh, yeah. you call me by my right name. Well, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> okay, so what is it like and how crazy is it to live in a bilingual house? At first, it was something to adjust to. But at first, we didn't have kids, so it was mostly English. Yeah. What about with the kids? Because we don't plan and we end up yelling the same thing at the kids, but in two different languages. Yeah, it's really interesting to see the kids' reaction to, especially when you see the kids doing the translation going in between you and I. Yeah, because they'll just reply to me and throw some Portuguese words in there, or I'll say something to them and they'll turn around and go talk to you. Yeah. But they say it in English. Right. So, or even with each other. Like today, I just told Marissa that I was making chicken and I said it all in Portuguese. And the Lawrence was like, what, what is she saying? What is she saying? And she just turns to him and just gives the whole message and interprets what I just said. But yeah, I just think it's funny that sometimes we, we didn't even, you know, try to plan it. And you yell at them something to discipline them in English while I'm saying the same thing in Portuguese at the same time. Yeah. But then they also use it as a convenience sometimes saying, I don't understand. I don't know what you mean. But they do that regardless what language we're talking about. Yeah. It's not that they don't understand the language, they just don't pay attention and they just don't care. Yeah, but I I think the more entertaining parts is when they come to me like I didn't hear you and they interpret what you said to English. I sit there going, yes, I heard what mom said. Okay, but they don't really change. Lorenzo changes it sometimes. No, but mom said, but dad said, Marissa not so much, but Lorenzo tries to play it of how you interpret incorrectly. Well, as we know, Lorenzo will interpret the way he wants to interpret it. Yeah. That's why most of the time uh, I hear what you're saying and then they come and then he uh, says it in his way. Mm -hmm. But you got the message because you heard it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what was the comment that you made about now going to Brazil, my cousins who are a little younger than me and have kids and how they talk to their kids? What, What was that comment that you made one time? You pretty much say the same things to all the kids, like all the terminology, yeah. all the all the, the sayings. But it just, but it's something that I've recognized, just not with your cousins, though. I recognize a lot of Brazilians when they speak to their kids, they use a lot of the same terminology. You know, it's just something picked up. Oh, okay, it's very common to say <laughs> certain, you know, certain sayings. I couldn't come to tell you right off the top of my head what they are, but when I hear them, it's like, oh, okay, I'm very familiar with what that means. Because it's just saying that all Brazilian mothers sound alike. <laughs> they all say the same. Pretty close at okay. times, yeah. When we were at the, the Brazilian restaurant, we were picking up the food. You know, they had the, the parents with the little kid. Yeah. And, and they're talking to their little daughter. The exact same way as, you know, used to talk to Marissa and Lorenzo. When they were little, yeah. Yeah, when they were little. Same type of, not just the words, but also kind of the inflection. Mm. The kind of the tone yeah, uh, is very similar. 
So you can pretty much just take the Brazilian parents out of Brazil, but you can take the Brazilianess out of the parents. Yeah. No matter if they're here, they're there. Yeah. No, no matter where you go. I mean, <laughs> when we're at the airports and we see the Brazilian kids running around and his parents yeah. talking to him, it's all the same. The one thing I noticed is that, like, you know, when Marissa was younger and I would take her to, like, dance class or to gymnastics at the YMCA, and I may be saying the cutest thing to her in Portuguese, but people around always think that I'm scolding her. Like, I'm just, you know, yelling and telling her off. And it's like, no, I'm just saying, oh, you look so cute. I'm just going like that, but saying something in Portuguese. And people just always think it's aggressive. So... Well, that comes to one thing I've told you where it seems when I was first learning the Portuguese and getting familiar with it, you have one extreme to the next. <laughs> There's no middle area. It's, you know, you're scolding or you're very sincere and loving. This goes from one extreme to the next. There's, but it all sounds the same. Well, yeah, but this is like the tone. Oh, it's like, oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. It's like, ooh, whoa, what's wrong with her? Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> So throughout the year, I mentioned you a lot on the podcast, but there was one episode that I talked about words that I learned from you. And the funny thing is that most of them were about food or drinks. It wasn't intentional, but that's what we start to remember. Do you remember how frustrating it was when you first started talking about foods from here? And when we just met in Brazil, I had never been to the United States. And you're just telling me some stuff that is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, the best example is when I uh, we were at the beach and the kids were playing uh, taco. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. It makes me hungry. And then explaining to you, oh, wait until you have a taco. And you're asking me, well, what is a taco? I'm all, well, it's made with a tortilla. And then you're like, well, wait a minute, what's a tortilla? It's just like, okay, this is not going very well. Because yeah. first you got to know the basic ingredients before you understand what the food is. Yeah, because yeah. I could already speak but, English to you. It wasn't like a language problem, yeah. but I had no idea what Mexican food was. Because this is July 2001. There weren't even Mexican restaurants in Brazil. We had a lot of Mexican soap operas on TV, but not really yeah. the food. So you try to explain it to me. And all I can think about when you say taco is the game taco that we play that kind of looks like cricket. So you try to explain it to me and I'm like, I have no reference of that. I have no idea. Yeah. And then every single time I'm in Brazil, I hear the word I'm thinking of food. Yeah. Now mm. Brazilians are more aware yeah. of, we have some Mexican restaurants, mm. even in my town. And we try it and it's like. Not the real stuff, but <laughs> yeah. especially living so close to Mexico, what we ate there was like, yeah, that was okay, but it's not Mexican. <laughs> yeah, that's the also the big difference is since we live so close to the border, we get the full experience yeah. that a lot of people don't get. Yeah. It was funny how um, we tried to get tortilla chips there at the restaurant and they had no idea what we were talking about because they called them nachos. And nachos for us, it's the tortillas with the cheese melted on top of yeah. it. But just the regular plain tortilla chips there, they call it nachos. So it's almost like, you know, a brand name that they just expanded on it. And it's like, okay, whatever, just bring me nachos then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though that's not what we're ordering in our heads because nachos is something completely different. Yeah. The other part of that is when they brought out the tray of the hot sauces <laughs> And your brother's making me try each one. And we went to the very hottest one. And the hottest one is still nowhere near what you can get here or even across the border. Yeah, the hot sauce is not really hot. 
wasn't, yeah. <laughs> especially myself, who has grown up having hot sauce my whole life, yeah. especially when you see other people try it. Yeah. And they think it's the hottest thing in the world. Yeah, my parents can never have it. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny because when I first moved here, I could not have any hot sauce because my eyes would start tearing up. And almost 20 years later, I just got used to it. I don't go as, you know, hot sauces. You you would try it or even Marissa would try it, but I can still survive. Well, when you first moved here, you thought Taco Bell was hot. Yes. The, the Taco Bell sauce, Taco Bell was, sauce hot, was, hot. was hot. Yeah. So it was, it was too much for me. Yeah. And... <laughs> well... I had no idea. And even though we have parts of Brazil that have very hot food, but I never tried it. I didn't grow up eating hot food. My parents don't like it, so I never was exposed to it. So it it took some time, but now I can enjoy it. Yeah, but now Mexican food is probably one of the main foods that we eat a lot. Yeah, if it's takeout, it's mostly Mexican food. Yeah, Yeah. and then I made guacamole that is different from the guacamole here, but it's not really the guacamole that we see in Brazil that is different avocados. It just doesn't work the same way. My American friends like my guacamole better the way I make it. So I guess I earned some points from that. And we don't really make guacamole in Brazil. And people just think that it's weird to have that with salad or with chicken. Because I remember how weirded out you were when I first said, oh, that's why you make smoothies or dessert. Yeah, yeah, was it milk avocado smoothie? Yeah. Yeah, that's something. I still like it, yeah. No. I used to drink it as a baby in a baby bottle. That's you get avocado, you get milk, you just make a smoothie and you just drink it. And it's, our kids liked it, so... Yeah, you know, we were down there. I tried it once, and I think that's all I'm going to ever try it. The other thing that I was remembering was um, how when we first met and we were, like, you know, getting to know each other and talking, walking down the beach avenue, we were being followed by this one little girl who was probably, like, you know, six, seven years old on her tricycle. And she's following us, trying to listen because she's just, she doesn't understand what's going on because we're just speaking English. And it's not something that you see all the time in my town. You, you remember how hard it was for you to communicate with people. So I just, I always remember that little girl following us back in 2001 when you went there for the first time. Yeah. She was just like following us and trying to listening in of what what's yeah. going on. Because it's and, something that she probably only heard on TV. So it's like, yeah. you know, these are like a TV people in front of me because they're speaking this different language that I don't know. Yeah. Because I remember when we turned, we looked at her. It's almost like she was in a trance. Like, what are they speaking? She was just more mesmerized of like, you know, this is what TV sounds like than trying to understand. But then there were like teenagers, I remember later on, probably 10 years later, 2010 or so. We're speaking kind of soft because we don't want to, you know, speak too loud in English and attract bad attention. But these two uh, kids, teenagers on a bike, they heard us and they kind of like, you know, started to go a little slower. We went past them again. Then they started just following us on the bike. And they started speaking English to one another. So do you remember that? Yeah. You hear it more now, but I remember when I first would go down there, it felt rare to hear uh, people uh, speaking English walking by. And yeah. it just, it's because it would stick out so much. Now, when we go down there, mm. because it seems like more and more people are learning English um, yeah. in your city. When I first went there, like the story goes, it's like when I remember making my reservation, <laughs> you know, I sent an email and they were replying back in English. It's like, you know, is anyone able to speak English there? Yes, we'll have someone, someone will be on staff. And then I remember when I got there, 
uh, you know, I went to the counter and asked, you know, is there anyone here able to speak English? And then they got the woman. She came to the counter. I told her my name and she looked at me like I was speaking a different language. It yeah. went right over her head. And then I remember all the times that I, yeah, me and my friends have been down in Mexico. I'm like, okay, now I got to really break it down. I got to talk to her like almost like I'm in elementary school. Yeah. So I got to break it down to the simplest form. Yeah. Because the other part is what happens to a lot of Americans is they do not realize how much slang we use every single day. Mm -hmm. You just use one, went over our head. Yeah. You're going to have to translate that into plain English so people can understand. Right. I mean, and that goes even to, you know, the discussion we've had when I visit my cousins in Sicily. I'm excited to see them and I don't catch myself and I don't think about it until, until I kind of settle in. Once I settle in, then I feel like it's easier for her to communicate because they seem to miss a lot of what I'm saying. Even yeah. though they, some of them, you know, speak minimal English, it's mm -hmm. the, you know, they're, they're learning too, but yeah. still it's the same. It's no, the but same even the, the girls, well, they're my age, but it's like the girls, they, they have pretty good level of English, but the slangs that you were throwing around and how you were just, you know, using contractions, just, it was something that doesn't flow as well for someone who has English as a second language. So, most of the times you were saying something, you're all excited, you know, just found family and just, you know, I had an episode about that. And you're just excited talking about things in English and they are having a hard time following because first it's just too fast and second is just all the slangs. Even with my limited Italian, I would sometimes just break it down to plain English because having had the experience of teaching English to kids and adults in Brazil, I knew how to, okay, they won't understand this level, but if I break it down to this level, then it's easier to yeah. just, you know, instead of using slang, you actually have something more, I wouldn't say formal, but something, it's plain English. Or just try to turn the sentence around in a way that it matches kind of an Italian uh, expression that they would use. So it's easier to just, you know. But, but that's one part that it's actually it's very difficult for a lot of Americans to say, okay, stop using slang, just, just simple English. A lot of Americans will have a difficult time communicating because slang is so such a, a common part of mm -hmm. our language here that we don't realize how much we're using until you kind of get out of it. The benefit that I've had growing up is I've ha constantly had friends that like English was their second language. I've been to Mexico many times, you know, going to Brazil, mm -hmm. going over uh, to Italy. So it's like I have that experience that a bunch of people that I know that live here don't have mm -hmm. it, to, how to uh, try to communicate. And yeah. I mean, even myself, I, it's very difficult even for me to sit there and do it mm -hmm. because no matter how simple I try to break it down, I'm still going to have parts where they're still going to look at me like, oh, can you please repeat that? Or, yeah. okay, I don't understand because that, you know, that's going to happen. You think you, you've simplified it enough and people still won't understand it yeah. because you're just stuck in this mentality of like, that's what I'm trying to say. And you don't understand how, how you're trying to say it just doesn't right. make sense to other people. Right. But because I've had a lot of experience with that, uh, I've always been really good on rephrasing 
uh, rephrasing it in, in different ways. So eventually, it's like one of it's almost yeah. like I'll keep rephrasing yeah. it, and one of them's going to catch on. Use one of the synonyms. One of them yeah. is yeah. yeah. As I said, we talk a lot. <laughs> And this is where we started going more into the monolingual and the bilingual brain, how people are perceived according to the language they speak, and what it's like to live with two different cultures. So keep an eye out for part two coming up in five days. Send me an email at rlombardino at wordawareness.com or leave a voice message on my Anchor page. If I get enough feedback and voice messages, I can go back to the subject and post a special podcast episode with everyone's opinion on this very same theme. By the way, my Anchor page is anchor.fm slash translation dash confessional. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for weekly episodes and subscribe to Translation Confessional through your favorite podcast app.